0: Chances, a talk show where we like to hear from people who devoted their life to health, fitness and wellness, medical professionals, health coaches and all the others who help us every day to cure our body, mind or soul. Those who always look for more natural, holistic ways to help even more people to live a happier and healthier life. Those who don't like to give up easily and settle on you or themselves. It is never too late, or too soon. I always believe that every one of us deserves not just a second chance, but as many as we need. I'm Vera, your host. Who better than a master of reinvention with an accent to guide you through it, right? Just like they say, you are not a tree, so move. And God knows I have done just that in my own life many, many times. If you are not completely happy with the direction your life is going, This show may help you get the courage to change what is needed, find a new path, and take charge. So come on over, pour yourself a glass of wine and spend some time with us. Let's laugh and cry together and get inspired by people just like you and me, who overcame their own doubts and took a leap of faith to reinvent their life on their own terms. I hope and pray that we help you on that journey. And if you feel so compelled and inspired, please let us know, don't be shy. Who knows, you may just be our next featured guest with another inspiring success story. So here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Third Chances. This time I have somebody I never met in person, but we know each other for a while. Uh, Thomas Hill is uh, someone who after decades of public education service and praying for an increase in earnings during the summer vacation season, he was approached on LinkedIn by Dan Stranger, who invited him to listen to a broadcast about redox cell signaling molecules. He didn't know Phyllis Bond before this time. Today he calls this a gift from Stranger. But I am so much more curious about Tom as a person. Obviously, we work with the same company, and that's full disclosure. I love Redox signaling molecules, and I keep talking about it a lot, but I would like to meet Tom as a person who had a whole life behind him (laughs) and a whole lot happening for sure that we can talk about. So welcome, Tom, to my podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Very so honored to be here with you.
0: It is an honor for me. I have we have been interacting online, but it's I just you know recently was like, why don't we talk? Why don't we learn a little more about each other? And Correct. funny thing, E D D stands for Doctor of Education. Of course, my dummy blonde. I'm looking at it, and I was like, oh, he's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well he, he really is doctor but something else right. so so if you don't mind bring me back uh first of all where are you calling from where are you, where you okay
1: live? I am uh 40 miles west of Chicago Illinois okay. I live in a town called Naperville Illinois
0: Naperville, I like that Mapleville.
1: name that yeah sounds like yeah.
0: a Hallmark movie kind of yeah thing, yeah. Town. yeah
1: yeah 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 <laughs> not yeah. to be confused with Naples Florida but right. Naperville Illinois yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. So you got to be cold there already, right?
1: Well, it's a little chilly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, we haven't hit the big stuff yet.
0: Okay. So okay. Just a regular
1: day in Illinois.
0: So if you don't mind bringing me back to where you grew up and how what did you want to do when you grow up and how it ended up, how well, did you end up in education?
1: Well, it's a long and short story, but I'll, let me try to capture the, take you the, on the timeline. Oh, we like, have uh, time. We have
0: time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, as my dad used to say, uh, it would emphasize to me, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Black Negro people from the, who were originally from the South, you know, during the Great Migration in the 50s, uh, my grandmother moved to uh, to Wisconsin, to a town called Racine. Mm-hmm. And uh, when my dad was younger, uh, he grew up as an only child because he had a younger sister who had passed. Uh, and he was from, uh, Michigan city, Indiana, but he would always tell me that, uh, you're not from the South. You're a second generation, Northern born black man. So don't forget that that's different. There are a lot of people who are from the South who have migrated, but we didn't raise you guys in that environment. And so a lot of people moved to, you know, Northern town, Chicago, Detroit, you know, some people went as far as Canada, yeah, but for absolutely. me, uh, my mom and dad were both only children. And one of the, uh, Instances that I try to emphasize, not only to my siblings, but to other people, is that birth order means something, whether it's the first, second, third marriage, whatever, but birth order means something. And as the oldest of five children, uh, I always wanted to continue to to make my parents proud of me. And so uh, I had no choice of the parents that I picked because my parents themselves were uh went through tough times as a lot of people from their generation who were born in the twenties. This was a hundred years ago. Yeah. And so in fact, he would have been a hundred in August this past August had he lived. So uh-huh. I had the benefit of having older parents, you know, uh, and and honoring them. Um, we grew up in a real nice side of town in Chicago. Uh, everything is, you know, dislike sides, you know, everybody has a side. So it's either mm-hmm. the South side, I was born on the South side of Chicago and was raised on the west side of Chicago. And so I called myself very early uh, bilingual because people on the south side had life one way and people on the west side had life another, and people on the north side had life another way. And as big as That's Chicago is, yeah. yeah, as big as Chicago is, it's a great town uh, full of neighborhoods, but depending upon your culture and where you grew up, so you were either, you know, it was black or it was Latino or it was, it was Greek or it was Polish or it was right. Ukrainian. Right. or. Everybody had their little pockets right in Chicago, but it's a great city to grow up in because you meet all kinds of people. And so you learn the word we use today about diversity. You did that growing up as a kid.
0: Did you say you you were oldest from the five kids?
1: Oldest of a second marriage. Yeah, there are five of us. And I have an older brother from another marriage. Okay, Mm -hmm. so
0: did you always feel like you got to be a role model as well for your siblings?
1: Well, yeah, and, and and in the sense that I have an older brother, uh, it was like, like you know, everybody has one. They call it the black sheep and the white sheep, the good kid and the bad kid. Cool. <laughs> you know, so I was labeled. You know, well, he's a good kid. You know, the older one, all he's always in into stuff, and you know, we can keep up with him. But yeah, I had to to be the to, to walk the straight and narrow. You know, I had to go to church oh, all the time. Yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: But uh, but the but the side note is politically, you know, growing up. Uh, in Chicago. You know, it's a political town. Uh, A lot of Black people were Democrats. Well, my dad was a Republican. Mm -hmm. And that was like a carryover from the previous century where a lot of Blacks who had voted for Lincoln and they were going that way. It was like the the swing after Roosevelt and the swing after different eras and decades of politics. Uh, My father found himself as, again, the only child just coming back from the war, that where Real opportunities were then were in the Republican Party because everybody was a Democrat. Mm-hmm. So, a lot, so you got to have both parties in a political system, particularly, right? Yeah. And so there were things that my dad was exposed to, and I was always with him. And so I got to meet people like Richard Ogilvy and and Edward Durkskin and and uh, the Ward Committee at the time. Uh, I don't think I'd, I probably should have mentioned those names, but the other person I went to school with. I mean, these are politically powerful people, mm-hmm. and again, on both sides. So, growing up, I learned to appreciate that there were people on both sides—white, black, male, female—didn't that matter. That you had good people on both sides, and so uh, right. mm-hmm. for many, for many years, we were the only black family, you know, housing-wise, where we lived. And so, uh, the school I attended, there might have been a spattering of, of black families. Uh, and being chased home every day. I didn't have to be in the South to experience racism or people mm-hmm. who didn't like you. But I learned that that's like, you know, you can look in the Bible and find people from uh, the book of Acts, where you had Jews and Gentiles who didn't like each other. You can yeah. start from Acts chapter six and go forward. But that's the benefit of of, of history and the benefit of, of, uh, of being with a different group of people. And my parents always wanted us, at least to call them integrationists back in the day, that they believe that blacks and whites should learn to live together, that Republicans and Democrats should be part of the political process, that that whether you were homeless or whether you were rich, you know, you should be able yeah. to be part of a community, Vera, that appreciated you. And 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 to use my father's words, you know, when you lift everybody up, just not black, not just white, when you lift human beings up to yeah. a state of dignity, uh, and they my mom was was a uh was a what they called uh The president of uh, the PTA, you know, in our school system and my dad, again, you know, being a precinct captain, people knew of them and they had a little power. But I learned from them, my parents, that the best way to serve people is to serve people. And it didn't matter what your political persuasion is, whether you are black or white whether you were tall or skinny or ugly or pretty, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You just had to have people. And so they instilled in me as many of my teachers did, which is I think the biggest influence of why I even went into education. Mm-hmm. Uh, my They they were involved, my teachers. That was a time when teachers, you could come to your home and you're part of their family. And that was an era long since gone, but it was still left in me that that's how you should treat people. And so yeah. growing up, uh I went to a little town. I had a wrestling scholarship, and a and a and I played you know football for a little town in Elmhurst called You're Elmhurst dead. College. Nice. Yeah, a little bit, a little Division three, but didn't last long. But the oh aspiration my. was there. You know, yeah. all of us we were, you know we wanted to do something in sport, and that kept you off the street. You know, it kept right. you not in the game. Just yeah, yeah, being a part the of kids busy. Yep, being a part of something special, and being again, like I said, uh, the oldest of five. uh, you know, lay the groundwork. And that was part of how we helped each other. Uh, my mother had family that there were nine of, uh, of some of their family members and each one helped the other go to college. And so that's what they instilled in me to be that type of person that's always been helpful.
0: You know, I also, I was always so impressed with uh, American coaches, sport coaches, how how high their standards and values are. And I think it's such a great influence over kids when even sometimes they may come from troubled family and the coach is such an impressive figure to keep them into discipline and how to win and how to lose and all that stuff is about life, but it's being taught through the sport. So I think it's very, very powerful tool for kids to be involved in sports for sure. It is. Aside of physical, of course. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. You know what's interesting that you just pointed out because our high school football, I just lost a classmate three weeks ago Oh, uh, that sorry. we played high school football with and he was 67 uh, a friend hmm. and, you know there are a lot of us who have friends from school and we keep up with over the years yeah and some of the fellows still get together with our coach he just turned 83 last month and uh or this month in fact and so uh I remember and we would talk from time to time through over the years he would always say uh, like the movie to remember the titans you knew that Denzel played and Mm-hmm. about, you know, the 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 racial divide, you know, black kids going yeah. to white schools and saying, we actually lived that, only in reverse. Our coach was a little Italian guy, you know, he's <laughs> kind of short, you know, I, I should probably say his name, but for the lack of, of you know, dis- full disclosure, uh, but he loved us and he would call us our kids. Even today, we would talk and he would say, you guys are my favorites out of all the people because we learned from each other in those turbulent times. And while yes. our school wasn't you know, like a big powerhouse school. We were a little small high school, you know, in Chicago. We learned that, and and as you pointed out, uh, when I would be away at practice, I'm always gone. My parents knew who the coach was, and he treated us like we we were his kids. Yes. And right. and for me, one of the pictures we went back to a reunion. Uh, this was, I think, uh, let me see. This was maybe six years ago. I went to my, I don't know our 42nd high school reunion. And so, like I said, we always talk. The coach says, well, are you coming? I go, yeah. He says, I wasn't going to come. But Tom, if you're going to be there, I'm coming.
0: Yeah. And so same?
1: I took a picture with some of the guys. This was in 2016, I think it was. And what was interesting was we were all laughing and talking. We had the coach in the middle and some of the guys who were. And some of the people who were in that photograph, if I were to tell you, who they're, they're notable today. And so we would always say, oh, this person went to our school and he graduated yeah. with us and we're proud of each other. But what you said, the extension of our families, Vera, were people outside of our immediate biological families yeah. that we learn to love people and we learn to care for people. And I try to bring that every day and all the things that I do, whether I was teaching or in our business currently. You know, people just need to know that you love them and you care about them and you oh, believe absolutely. in them. Yeah. And uh, despite, and I think what you said uh, in my financial services business, that gentleman was a high school football coach. he would always talk about, you know, people want to be their own boss. They want to be in control, but, Look at you're that. The, yeah. but you are, but you are the head coach. Not the way we use coach today, but when you're the head coach, you're responsible for everything and everybody. And you have to make people feel special, even if they don't have the physical talent or they don't have the heart. But I, I was one of those people who didn't have the physical talent, but I had a lot of heart. And so uh, I just you gotta name that. him
0: Tom and send him the podcast his, because his it's, his name he made, it, his, he made it he made it you know imprint in your heart
1: then then, then for the sake of again transparency his name is Raphael Salentino, Ray Salentino. wow uh, he lives here with us today. he's with us still today see and uh, yeah I'm sure he would be
0: happy to hear how how found you wrote him and how you still remember what he instilled in you.
1: Well, a lot of us, and we did the same for him. That's why I say it's like that movie, Remember the Titans, that despite, no matter how old you are, they're family, your family. And the guys, like one who just passed, uh, told me a story about me that I didn't realize that I had impacted him. And we got reconnected. And that's why I kind of miss him, uh, of what he meant to us. We were all neighborhood kids, and uh, the privilege of being in a large city but having a hometown, you know, small neighborhood, small yes. community yeah. where mm-hmm. you love each other. We have that still today, many yeah. of us. Yeah. yeah.
0: But that's that's one beautiful thing you said, how many times we do things that we need to do or we we do things that we are compelled to do, having no idea who may be impacted by our actions or right. how, we, how, how maybe our hard time and how we deal with it impacts other people how inspired they can be through that and that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast because we are interviewing people who overcame hard things and it made them stronger because you always have choices you can be a victim for the rest of your life and and point at everybody else's for your Mm -hmm. faults Mm -hmm. or you can own up to it and and get it as a lesson and I'm not saying it's easy when you are in the middle of mess you're all right. But when you have that strength in you to decide that I will overcome this and it will make me a better person, then you impact so many other people around you that may maybe borrow that strength from you because they, are, they don't have it right now.
1: And don't you think that that's, I mean, you're doing it now, even with mm-hmm. this broadcast, that we don't know how many people are being impacted because of a thought and a dream that you right. have brought to fruition. And it's the strength, Vera, of what you are doing to impact other people for the future. Yeah. That's why, I, again, I feel, I, I say it again, being honored and feeling privileged to be a part of your life and what you're doing to, to impact people. And I'm just another part of the team of people yeah. who, who believe in helping other people.
0: But, I, you know, it's it's certain people you have a really good vibe with. And even though I we never spoke, I always noticed you that you were kind enough to comment on my posts and, you know. And uh, obviously, I noticed that we work with the same company, so we love the same product.
1: Exactly. But, and some of the same pe- people.
0: Yeah, and there's several people that <laughs> really became lifelong friends. And and I'm half jokingly, but seriously saying that I have quite a few people on my podcast, and whether they are just starting or they are multi-multi millionaires today, there is such a heart and soul in this company. That every single person that I met in person was much better than I could ever imagine. And just exactly. one little compliment to you, because Thank I you. Have, I have been um, a singer when I was okay. young, okay. and okay. I have very sensitive ears to voices. Okay. I love your voice. You should <laughs> be you. you should be on the radio. <laughs> it's it's the It's the tone of it. It's it's absolutely spectacular. Love it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And of course you are you are much warmer than one can judge by the picture. So I'm really thrilled to have you. So let's let's move to see and how you ended up being a teacher. What what did you did you always wanted when you were in school? Did you always
1: You know, again, everything I attribute to is my father. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have dads like the one I have. Yeah, yeah. But uh uh, I was an accountant. When I graduated from Elmhurst, okay. I wanted to go into management. And accounting was like a minor that I had. But my parents were both entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, I went to work for uh, an organization in Chicago uh, that, well, they had business management resources in the title of their company. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what 22 or 22, 21, 22 year old from just coming out of college goes, oh, I'll go to work for them because they have something to yeah. do with my degree. Right. And So I wind up and the company was actually a headhunting you know, place of, of whether you recruited people and you placed them in jobs. Right. And so what I learned early back in the late 70s was I was placing controllers and treasurers and, you know, accounting auditors, people to different companies. And here I was making 200 bucks a week called a draw. And I'm like, what's a draw? And they say, well, we'll just keep paying you until you place somebody. And then when we get the fee from that placement, we deduct that from what they paid you. Right. And I thought, well, that's OK. I'm sure I'm going to place somebody in the job. You know, I don't. Well, after four or five or six weeks later, the, the boss comes to your supervisor and says, hey, you know, you haven't placed anybody in the job. I'm like, well, it's not my fault. I don't, you know, I got, I'm reading the script. I'm doing what you guys say. Wow. But then one day I looked at and said, why am I putting people in jobs that I want, that I can't have? And I'm working at this place. So I get a job as an accountant, but in 79, the very person, this is a, wait, this is almost a spooky story. So I'll, I'll give you a little spooky story. I go to work for, now Now I'm going to start naming names. Okay, because this, <laughs> okay. this is your first. <laughs> So I go to work for a company called S-Mark, right? Now, smark is the holding company for five other companies. You ready? I'm gonna name the companies. They may still be in existence, they may not matter. PlayTex, McVickers Oil, Peter Pan Peanut Butter, Swift and Company that made the you know, butterball turkeys and stuff, and Soup Starter. Now, all of these companies don't have synergy, right? As we would know today. Mm-hmm. Well, in 1979 or thereabout, there was this company called Hunt Wesson and they were, the, you know, mergers and acquisitions were real big. So a company called Colbert, Kravitz and Roberts, KKNR, bought and sold, you know, Smark and and they merged Hunt Wesson and they spun off Anybody that wasn't part of the food, in so they got rid of mcvickers Oil, they got rid of Playtex, and then they so they brought in hot Western Oil and all the food conglomerates. And later on, here comes the spooky part they bought Kraft Foods. Mm-hmm. Well, who do we know similarly in the current <laughs>
0: yeah. yes, it rings I, the bell. I yeah. had no
1: idea that yeah. the strategist for Kraft Foods that I was going to be linked to that, not knowing any of these. That's why I started. I said, well, wait a minute. Of course he didn't get rid of me, but when they start merging companies and craft and general meals, and then Hunt, Weston, Swift, soup started, all these food companies became what they are, this giant, the person who you and I know is the strategist for that organization here in Chicago.
0: And at that time,
1: at that time, or a little bit later, and yeah, and so so that's been my, you know I just realized that when we talk about the Genesis video yeah. and we talk about him, and I'm like, wow.
0: Funny thing is that it always becomes true. Nothing is happened by, nothing is happening by coincidence. You meet oh, people a for a reason. They come to your path for a reason. I I love it. This is fantastic. So okay, a so, story?
1: So, so so let's so move I'm, on. I'm crying, I'm crying in my soup to my dad. I'm going. Where should I go? He goes, well, you got a degree. You can always go teach in Chicago. And so in 89, that's what I did. That's how I got involved in, in education. My parents were both in school, you know, education. And so I started that track. And again, one of my teachers became a principal in the late uh, 80s, early 90s. And she, so she called me one day. She says, you're working on your master's degree, I understand. And your father called me again. You know, dads. And uh, I need you to come to work for me at my high school, you know, on the north side. And I go. And so while at night I'm studying my master's degrees in education mm-hmm. and I'm working uh, in the school with the dean's office. And so that's how I got involved in security and working with kids who were less than desirable, according to some teachers. And I just continued on. And I found that in Chicago and like in most academic uh, schools, municipalities, they pay you more money when you go to school. You know, you switch lanes. And so I just kept going. And they kept paying me more money. But I started to like the idea that it's not about my paycheck. It's about the children that I'm impacting. And then I had an opportunity to coach, you know, wrestling and football for a little short period of time. And so the the love of all of that came and grew. And again, the desire to become a principal, I did. And again, funny story, spooky story. The very school I attended in 1960, when I was in kindergarten, you can do the math about how old I am, 68 for those who can't count, I became the principal of that school that I attended when I was in kindergarten and where my parents and that where I grew up. That's That's not spooky. Yeah, that was in 2000. So I became that interim principal and then things just, I just kept going, you know. Uh, What
0: did you teach when you were a teacher?
1: In elementary school, I was a social studies teacher and and, in middle school, that was English language arts and social studies. So, yeah kept that going. So I'm still certified today. The only reason I'm not teaching is because I'm temporarily disabled. So uh I don't sit long, stand long, talk long, because I'm dealing with some other medical challenges. But uh yeah.
0: You got to bring me that because we are on the same boat there. If you okay. notice, I'm standing.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you. You look like you were standing. So yeah, you know, you know. I have this
0: desk that goes up and down. Yeah. And so it is mostly also for my kind of for your being, posture
1: and your, being yeah. fit.
0: Yeah. Being fit. But yeah, I had the same issue when, when, uh, well, before I met our wonderful product.
1: Yeah. Well, I, that occurred just last year for me because I couldn't walk in February last year. Oh, and wow. so well, you have at, to
0: tell me what happened when you, you, did you retire? Or did you work? Did you I haven't
1: retired yet? Just still disabled. And have it, you I been still, teacher
0: for up to this point?
1: No, okay. I've been out of work since last February. And okay. because this organization was my side gig, right, it's now my full-time gig because the only thing that's not affected is my mouth and my brain. So I figured if Helen Keller could do something when she was blind and deaf, I certainly could even though my body wasn't up to the task. So
0: You mentioned that uh, there was somebody who approached you on LinkedIn as yeah. a stranger yeah. and and just invited you over to to view what we have. And yes. I actually entered the company exactly the same way. I was approached on LinkedIn by a person that I didn't even know. And today, thank God for that. Because he's Absolutely. working closely with me. And he's a wonderful person. Yeah, and, and it's just, yeah, it changed my life just like it did yours. So yes. tell me what happened, why you are in a situation you are physically
1: well, Uh Interesting, I was a librarian for the past four years, three years, mm-hmm. and uh, I just, you know, you have typical, you know, you know you get to be older, and it's like Mr. Potato Head, stuff starts falling off. You know, I had had diabetic neuropathy, my hands and feet. But uh, last year, uh, I got up, and I couldn't get up. And uh, so I had, so my wife uh, drove me to emergency, and they took x-rays, and they said, well, no, we wanna, and the way I was walking, Vera, They said something we think we need to have an mri done and i learned that all of my discs from my neck to my lower spine are degenerative but at the l2 l3 level it was like a pancake and that disc is pressing up against the spinal cord and anyone who's had a spinal cord injury knows your body's going to protect itself and especially with stenosis which is a narrowing of the spinal cord they said hey you know you need to see a neurosurgeon and you know, start that process. Oh, yeah. And I chose to and I would hear other people in uh the product, you know, our company who's taking the product, oh, it helps with this and it helps with that. Well, I knew it took care of my neuropathy early back in July 2020, but I kept praying. Anybody who hurts like this from a spinal, from spinal stenosis, I thought I was gonna be the first man in North America to have a baby. Because, I mean, the pain was just so intense oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. that
1: I was taking about a bottle a day of the molecules because, uh, and it took it took about four or five months. I was about May of 2022 uh, uh, where I was really kind of, or no, this year, May of 23 of this year, I really kind of became pain-free. Uh, so it took a few months uh, that I could, you know, with therapies, you know, start walking. But, uh, did you have me, a surgery? I didn't have it. We're talking about trying to do it now because I later learned that my hip has bone spurs. I didn't know what a bone spur were, but I know it's uncomfortable when I walk or if I sit. Yeah. so, you know, I'm at the threshold of, should I do it or should I increase the, you know, the redox molecules? And so, uh, that impact, whether I go back to work or not. And so to your question, it's like, what do you do? I do a lot more meditating and praying. I do a lot more, you know, exercises and the therapy, but uh, it's a day-to-day deal with me. You know, today just, I had a little spasm, but... Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Just, to, just to interrupt a little bit, because I would like to make sure that people don't believe that we are talking about something that can prevent, heal, diagnose, or or cure right. any disease this is a product that is uh, simply empowering the body to heal itself by increasing right. cellular efficiency functions and communications right. so yeah. uh, we are not making any medical claims diagnosis or treatments but we both have wonderful experience with it yeah. and, and uh, i have been educated in nutrition and supplements and to, to my knowledge, I haven't found anything that works better than these molecules simply because they work on a cellular level and they affect Correct. absolutely everything in your body. And lately we are getting some wonderful research coming from different universities that are stunned by the results. That Absolutely. But our body, God-given body, can actually do when receives the right tool. Is this, isn't
1: that, isn't that is interesting? This, because my medical team are confused. Oh yeah. Because I I, t- I, t- I, sh- I show them it's in my 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 medical files what I take every day, the supplements, the kind of nutrition, and because I'm following certain protocols about how to take care of myself. We've learned. I've learned. I don't know about you. That relax biochemistry, like breathing. that's that's what we do all the time so it's not absolutely
0: foundational it's not new yeah
1: yeah absolutely but to say that that's why i'm taking the product no i just know that because i've had different challenges that as i'm getting better and and they you know my medical they're charting these things and the diagnosis of all the tests that i've had they've said well wait a minute, you're, you're not supposed to be walking like this. You're not supposed to be doing these things. You, I said, I don't care what I'm not supposed to be doing. I'm just telling you what I am doing. And the fact that I'm having this conversation with you, uh, I realize that there's one thing called, if people overlook, common sense. You know, I'm not out here, I'm not out here trying to be a bodybuilder and I'm not out here trying to challenge my body at 68 to do something that I did when I was 16. So sometimes common sense has to prevail.
0: Yeah, but if you that's that's the whole point, you know, doctors are trained in a western atmosphere to treat symptoms mm-hmm. and they come with with medication or surgeries and absolutely necessary for life-threatening things. But if you don't take care of yourself first, it is not responsibility of your doctor to to make a healthier life choices. And I think we both may be like, or I believe that everybody, at least I was, when I was a little kid, I wanted to live forever. Right. Yeah. And then that kind of changes as you get older (laughs) and you start realizing what it means, but I still want to live long time, but I don't want to live long time being dependent on somebody else. Obviously we cannot, we cannot influence everything that comes our way, but I can do them maximum for keeping my body in shape in optimal health. And if yep. this is something that can keep me in optimal health, and it's actually kind of like when we say it, it just makes your organism react like like it did when you were younger. Things absolutely, absolutely happen for a reason. I have been through three back surgeries. I don't know if you oh, know no. that. no. And and i my first one was when i was 18 years old and at that time i was an active dancer i was really okay. physical and the doctors had no idea they didn't even believe that i could have such an issue and then then i lived in czechoslovakia which was communist country and okay. so you have a free healthcare but that means that you have no choices that you go to doctor that you belong to you have yeah. no choice to go for second opinion or, or pick your doctor. Yeah, and like a HMO. Ended up, her. <laughs> I ended up being in a hospital for two and a half months on painkillers and losing about 40 pounds at that time because I was so stressed out. I couldn't walk. I was in such a crucifying pain. And they wouldn't do anything with me. They were just treating me with pills. And it didn't show anything on x-rays. It would show yeah. on MRI.
1: Yeah. So let me ask, if I may, let me ask, as we get to know each other in this, in this exchange, I think one of the things is when you described what you went through in terms of pain and discomfort, I I don't know what other, you know, challenges are, but the people who have those issues, they understand when you say back pain, it's not like, Oh, I got a headache today. It's like, you can't move. You can't function. You can't function. Right. And so for me, to be where I am today, at 68 and a half, I'm, I'm still ambulatory. Even the surgeon said he was trying to encourage me to have it done. She says, why wait till I get older? And, and the conversation he and I have, because I learned to do that, to take you know, charge of my own life. It's like one of the leaders in our company said, God gave us all a vehicle, right? These bodies are our own vehicle. You're only going to get yeah. one. Exactly. And if we were told when we were younger, you got to keep the oil change. You got to keep the air, you know, air in the tire. You got to keep doing things to take care of it if you don't and you neglect the only vehicle you're ever going to have you, you know now, now maybe today with AI and chat GPT and all the science that we have somebody can say well I want to trade this body in for a new one well you know that's like more science fiction than not but listen yeah. I, I sincerely say as you just and to echo what you just said if in fact we realize or come to the realization that this is all I have this is yeah. my temple and I don't want to crap in a temple, you know, to have somebody else clean it up. I'm responsible for what I put in my body. That's and if correct. I keep putting in toxins and poisons and things, good things are not going to come to me. Yeah. And I can control the environment. I can control what I put in my body. And if I choose not to, then I'm inviting other medical staff to join me in this thing called life. And I did a testimonial you know, on our team and, we, and, and they said, you know, like the things that I'm saying, projecting now, I'm not saying that all all this stuff cured me or healed me or, you know, that somebody diagnosed and said, do this, do that. But I will say this to you. The fact that someone made a recommendation, like asking me to, you know, be a part of this or hear something that might help you. We don't know if it will or not. I just know that it did. And I just am thankful that I can make these choices and that given other people that we understand and are compassionate that when they're going through something maybe we say something and maybe we don't because we don't know how, you know their bodies they do mm-hmm. but isn't it interesting that as we go forward that we have choices that we can make and go well if i can't name the disease or the condition here's what i'll tell you what i have i have an oncologist no no i not an oncologist i have a i have an endocrinologist i have a I have a primary care. I've got a pulmonologist. I've got, a, I've got all these cardiologists. I've got a pay all of these people. I'm now bringing in my life and I'm paying them. I'm saying, wait, I'm on You're the keeping them income. in business. Yeah. yeah I'm like, I, and I, t- I joke with them. I say, I'm trying to fire you this month. Understand, I am not going to keep taking this stuff. And you just keep telling me to do this so that you can keep your job. Mm-hmm. I, I, You know, I understand you have to work for a living, and it's called a practice but I don't have to participate in everything that you yeah. say. And now we have choices that we can help them yeah. stay unconfused. So,
0: And I don't mean to to trash doctors in general, because they I'm so either. grateful for having wonderful doctors in my life. But yeah. like you said, it, there is an option. If there is an option to do something naturally first, that is not harmful, that doesn't have all the side effects that every single medication have, uh, then I'm reaching for it first. And let's see if mm-hmm. I can help it naturally before I have to go to intervene yeah. and, and make something very invasive to my body, which unfortunately was done to me three times. I, I have right. screws and bolts in my lumbar. It's not fun.
1: And that's and, why I am right now, Veer, just yeah. to echo you. And I am going mean to preempt you, but it's like should I? Should I not? And you hear all these horror stories, and you hear that what people others different. have gone through Everybody's exactly. Different. Yeah. But you know what? I did. My doctor just said to me yesterday. I had I had to see my cardiologist, right? Because this because of this pending surgery. Mm-hmm. He said, well, we need to do this and you do that." And he did the little machine, you know, the EKG thing. He goes, "I go, how's it look?" He goes, "It's perfect." And I said, "I've been telling you. I've been doing this thing." He goes, "Yeah, I know yeah. you've been telling me." But here was the most important thing he said. Tom, if you don't have to have the surgery, it's going to be some discomfort. Just do the things that you've been doing because once you get opened up, life is different. Exactly. He is agreeing with me. I don't want to have it. But, you know, we get to a point where, you know. I'm glad to hear that because
0: I have met so many people. it's it's to me it's mind boggling because obviously not everybody's uh, in my state of mind that i am yeah. i was always trying to prevent pills and medications because i know the side effects so yeah. i was always looking for little more natural stuff even when you have some issue with you know like this year i started having numbness into my arms and and i knew exactly what from because i kept doing repetitive work that I couldn't escape and it just started developing and there was nothing I can do. I started doing physical therapy, didn't do a damn thing, you know? And then I spoke with one of the doctors uh, that I actually have him on my podcast and he didn't know that, but he was mentioning the same exact issue he was having because he's a dentist and he's bent over all the time. So guess what happens to your, to your, you know, neck spine.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: And he was having the same very similar issues. He would have tingling in his arms and and it started losing feeling. And I was in a stage where I would put hands on my wheel and immediately my, my arms were, I couldn't feel them. I couldn't like fix my hair, you know? And I was like, what is going on? Yeah. And what he told me and I was like, wow. He mentioned that they, he was scheduled for surgery. And they would do fusion, this, 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 and six weeks later you will be back at work, and and yeah. some incredible coincidence, it didn't happen when he was ready to go because he couldn't operate like he couldn't work, do his work like that.
1: Right, right.
0: So he was actually agreeing that he would go, and then he hurt somebody else on on a uh, a five. Yeah, if
1: yeah, you yeah.
0: Jim. Jim Glenn Jim went Glenn. through a lot of a lot of back surgeries, and he had a, an incredible amount of medication he was on. Right, and he this doctor remembered that he kept saying, "I just kept doubling up, doubling up on Redux, yeah, and just see what it happens." And it just it just slowly was going away. So. Doctor Lee decided to do the same thing for him. Okay. Didn't tell anybody, but he started like he started drinking more, right? And within a few weeks, those symptoms were gone. And, and I had when a similar experience. Yeah. and he said that, I didn't say a thing, but I was like, okay, so I need to get an extra case, <laughs> and I'm doing this right now. And guess what? Six weeks later,
1: it. And don't you think that, and, and and because we've had these experiences, you know, people, you know, oftentimes ask whether you're under fifty or over fifty. At least this is this my conversation to people because I've been, I've learned this over the years with with our yeah. company that if you're not getting three cases a month, if you have got a con- a condition similar to like it's like we're like we're talking about or a challenge, we know what it will take. Yeah. You know, and even though we, we're different, we know because we're having these experiences. And that's not trying to convince people. We are committed and convicted because we're living that. So that's not not a sales pitch. That's, look, if you have something that can help another human being, if that's the way you're talking to him, or you, like you said, this doctor, you know, came into that knowledge. Maybe at first as the salesperson in us or you, you say, you know, he wouldn't do it. You know what? When you're convicted, as Tyler talks about, Mm -hmm. when you're convicted, People see it in your eyeballs. They yeah. they hear it in your voice. They want, You want people to be better. You can't make them drink it. You can't make them do it. You can't change their yeah. lifestyle. But Vera, the one thing that all of us have in common, okay, the one thing, well, I should say not all of us, if our hearing is still good,
0: yeah.
1: if our sight is still reasonably good, if our common sense is intact and you hear well, wait a minute, that worked for the, and not to compare ourselves, you go, if that worked for this person, what do I have to lose?
0: That's what that's have, exactly my point.
1: What do, why can't I try? Yeah.
0: If you rather take a whole bunch of medication with million side effects and create new problems in your body, and you wouldn't even look at something that is 100% non-toxic, it's already in you, so you can yes. be allergic to it i have yeah. been given actually uh a, i i don't do any painkillers for years I, right like i have been this this year when i had that issue and i had to keep working a few right. times i i took uh, something that i had a prescription for right and few days later i could feel how my stomach was feeling funky and i knew it's not good for my stomach so i dropped it right. and i was actually right. working working without but i i forgot what i wanted to say <laughs> i just dropped my train we need
1: we need some of the other products they help us with the mind right i need some mind yes <laughs> yes
0: but no i was uh, i was talking about like how people would not even oh yeah i was prescribed something okay. and and the doctor told me oh this is like really like a good one for for yep. pain and i right. looked at the ingredients and not the, the ingredients the side effects the warnings right Right. And it says, I don't know, it was like half a page of really not good things and bleeding and stuff like that. Right. And it in rare occasions it can call it can cause death. And I'm looking at it. It's like, OK, so you may be dead, but your hand is not going to hurt. I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not a feasible option for me. That's
1: though. not a good option. Right. Yeah, can sure. I share another quick story that happened to me? Uh, my doctors, as I was getting my second doctorate, right? Uh, they said to me, "Well, you're a researcher, Tom." And 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 I saw my physician. His skin was different. It looked he's from uh, he was from India. He was a brown, you know, skin guy, mm-hmm. but his cl- his complexion was clear. I said, "Well, what are you doing?" And I was doing some kind of diet protocol. And mind you, now this was in 2015. The most I've ever weighed in my life, I was, was 345 pounds. Oh, wow. Now, if I was in an NFL or some sports, you know, 6'2", that's perfect, right? Yeah, but I'm 60-something yep. years old. That's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, what are you doing? He said, I'm not supposed to tell you this. This is a guy who's getting his degree in sports. He says, I'm going to tell you about a book that i read, and we've changed. And what's causing my skin to clear up is called Wheat Belly. Dr. William Davis is a cardiologist. is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, practicing still today. And these physicians, my physician says, you ought to get that book, Tom. You like to research. Check this out. Yeah. In
0: 2015, Vera. What was the title of the book?
1: It was called Wheat Belly. W H E A T, B E L L Y. William Davis is the medical doctor. He's a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is before they diagnosed me with with a. Uh, Congestive heart failure. I'll say that you can edit that out, but that's what I have. Th- that was diagnosed in 18. I've always, my parents died from that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now they, get, you know, my chest, when I have a chest pain, it's like I got my attention out. But when he told yeah. me about this book, my glucose was somewhere in the neighborhood of the teens, between like 10 and up. I've been a diabetic since 96. It runs in my family. I tell you that's with specific, the story to say, I moved, we were homeless in 2015. So we moved to a new town. I was registered to get library cards. And here's what I found. I was taking my children through We were getting books and getting the library cards. And it was like a light shining on this book. I kid you not, it was like, here's the book. I went, hey, Here, I mean, that's the book <laughs> that my doctor was talking about. But that title was called Wheat Belly Total Health. Yeah, And I went, so I get the book. This is August now of 2015, I'm 345, my the glucose is out of control. I've never even heard of Redox. I've never even heard of co- company. Do you realize, cause you said diet, I did three things that he talks about. Can I talk about what he said or no?
0: Oh, I believe so, sure.
1: All right, watch in it In the book. He's, you can, and anybody can get this in a public library. That's right. You can, if, you, if you only eat single ingredient food, number one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: number two, Keep your carbs under 45 uh, milligrams a day, single ingredient food, control your carbs, and don't eat any seeds of grass. Three things, seeds of grass, no wheat, no rye, no barley, no rice, no corn, no oats. It's in the book, and if you eliminate wheat, I didn't say gluten, I said wheat. Mm-hmm. I went from 345 in August of 2015 that when they saw me in March of 2016, because we went to a movie, right? To see, you know, see, we went to a movie, took my family, my weight was 238. I went from a size 52 waist to a size 38, uh, 40, uh, 30, 38, yeah, oh. between 38, 40. My glucose was so well in control that my, my endocrinologist asked me to teach classes at the hospital you know, for diabetic education. I didn't know Yeah. Anything. I just knew, and I had not heard redox, right? Do you know I took that same knowledge this January? I was 320. My A1C was at 7. January 10th, to be specific. Okay? I told my doctor, told my endocrinologist, my primary. I told all these people. They, they had just diagnosed me with another disease called obstructive sleep apnea. Do you realize I had the knowledge, but if I didn't do it on January 10th, I employed the, the, the nutrition, you know, the eating right, changing my diet, sleeping. When they took my vitals on May the 18th, the hospital called me. Now, generally, when the hospital calls you, nurses call you, it's not good news, right? They don't go, oh my God, you know, you got to come in. You gotta- yep. Do you know what my nurse told me? She said, Dr. Hill. Your 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 weight was down to 260. Your glucose is 5.4. That's normal. I had lost, you know, like I said, close to 60 pounds. The sleep apnea is. So I have an app that measures my sleep. It was under 10, where the average was 25. So I have this data in my hand, and a yeah. friend was with me. We were having lunch, and and they heard this data, and they heard, and we saw, and they went, "Oh my goodness!" Because I told her all I did was I employed Wheat Belly but I increased my intake of redox to 18 to 24 ounces a day for three months.
0: Yeah. Now big deal. we
1: know, we know it wasn't just one thing. It wasn't because I did, but I have the story that I am today. And, and I know because I have it. If you have the knowledge Vera, and you know to do it and you don't do it, there's a scripture. In James, the fourth chapter, it says, if a man knows to do good and does not do it, this is a King James translation, to him it's a sin. Now that him could be any pronoun. If we know to do what's right and we don't do it, if people knew about relaxing and didn't do it, if they knew about how to control their diet and don't do it, if they just stopped smoking, how about that one? How about that? Yeah. How about that? Just yeah. quit puffing, quit chewing, quit vaping.
0: I, I lost my dad for that.
1: We know big what smoker
0: to do for
1: all his life, yeah. To take care of the one vehicle that we'll ever have, changing the oil, keeping the air the you know the air pressure, simple things that we could do. This isn't new. But we you know it's
0: funny when you when you compare it to the vehicle and I know that you referring to Edwin's story because I i stuck <laughs> in my head too. I yep. love how he story tells. And yep. it's People would rather go for parts replacement than try to do something that would not put them... Even, even the simple fact that you have to go under, the older you are, the more risk there is involved. It is not risk-free operation. It and every doctor gives you all the risks involved and they cannot guarantee anything. Because <laughs> you know the combination of issues that people have when they get older. It's just, you don't know how the body will respond. The
1: classmate that I mentioned to you who passed away, let me tell you, I just talked to him two weeks before. We were talking about, I had to have surgery and we were saying, I don't want to, he was telling me he had to go in for a triple bypass. Listen to me now. He went to a very good hospital in Chicago. He passed away on the table. They didn't even have the surgery He went into cardiac arrest as they were putting in the anesthesia.
0: I'm so sorry.
1: Now, come on. Now, listen to me, Vera. When I heard that story, I knew what he was trying to get. You know, he was trying to have the parts changed. He was trying to get a new motor. He was trying to get his heart fixed.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But he went into cardiac arrest while he was going through anesthesia. Let me say this to you and anybody who's listening. You just said it. If we're trying, and Ed gave us that story. The only vehicle that we have that God gave every piece of flesh, every plant, every animal, if we don't take care of ourselves, the planet, our environment, then what's coming to you is coming to you. And and we don't know when we're sitting on the operating table, the risk that we take, you just said it. And it happened. That's why it came back to my mind because he was going to go get a new engine and it didn't get replaced. Yeah. For me to us to be present, as my mom used to say, in our right bodies and our right mind, you know, that's a privilege by itself, emotionally, psychologically, right? Mm-hmm. I can say to you Vera, as a friend and you're fast becoming a friend, we have similar stories. Yeah, We may be of the same chronological grouping, right? In terms of age, but you know what we don't have? If we don't have enough faith and if we don't believe what we know that's in front of us to do, We won't do it either. And that's what I hope that people who hear this will exercise common sense. Do what you have to do for yourself.
0: It's been, yeah, that's that's a really sad story. I'm sincerely sorry that you lost your friend. It's and I don't want this to sound like don't go, don't go to doctors or don't go to do the surgery. Sometimes they are life-saving, and thank God we the the medicine explored so much that we we are able to do these things and they have right. a very very high success rate right. and obviously here in america you still have a choice which doctor you you choose for That's you know correct. for that and everything but big part of your health is really how you take care of your body on a daily basis on because daily basis. any supplement or any vitamin or anything wouldn't outdo that diet and yeah. unfortunately people are so easy to dismiss that and was like well it's just that's okay i'll take vitamins but yeah. when you think of it deeply if you had a cadillac would you put a water in it instead of gas just because no. it's cheaper or it's more convenient yeah of course not you oh. you go and polish that thing and you you, you know take care of it and it's right. That's the story, yeah. The and you know the other side,
1: power. the other thing which is, we're talking about cars, now. I like that analogy too, but you know what? If you take your vehicle and you, like you said, put the wrong gas in it maybe, right? Or you don't take, you know, the things that are necessary to keep it operating, and that's us also, right? Then at some point, and if it doesn't run when you wake up and turn on the ignition or the batteries run down, Because of the simple things that you could have done to be preventative, yeah, right. Also,
0: one thing that comes to mind, um, yeah. Because when, since we are in a car store, (laughs) when that light comes out that something is wrong, what do you do? Do you ignore it or put the bandaid over it, or you tell? Do you tell mechanics (laughs) just turn it off? It's okay. I'll you know run it. No, of course not. You go and have it fixed yes and with a lot of things with uh, certain aches and certain things that we start noticing around our body it is the body's way to to warn us that something is going on on the inside that needs to be attended to that's correct what do we do we take a pill to to calm down the pain that's correct that pain is a signal to you that something is going on and there is a reason for that pain so what we do we calm that signal down yeah instead of resolving the issue
1: the and, issue yeah
0: sadly a lot of things and none of us is doctors, so please take it with the grain of salt what we talk That's about correct. but it's my sincere belief that so many things today are being tended as to reduce the symptoms or reduce the certain number that is supposed to show on the the blood work that right. somebody are artific- artificially artific- how what is the freaking word (laughs) officially put there okay you're 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 this supposed to be this and if you are over you get you gotta get on a medication
1: yeah yeah
0: that medication isn't why you having that issue and why your numbers are higher your body is not you know deficient of that medication that medication is there to simply Bring it down but, without really resolving the issue why you have it in the first place.
1: You know, Justin, I don't know how much time we have left, but I do know for this, Christina Williams, Dan Doyle, uh, Ed Wings, uh, Mal Sword, those are, my, I call my personal mentors because I've sat at their feet.
0: Yeah.
1: And Christina especially talks about what you just said. They're, we're not dealing with the root of the problem. We're dealing with the leaves on the tree. We keep playing around with these medications and things that is yep. not resolving the root cause. Yep. And what this product can do at the cellular level is get to the root cause and not just handle the symptoms. But, but even at if, the
0: same time, it's not curing anything.
1: It is not. It
0: basically only empowers the body, inner doctor,
1: to do That's what correct. it was
0: always designed to do. So you that's are not correct. adding something strange to your body that the kidneys has to process or or you know detox right. or something. Right. Your body knows exactly what to do with it because that's what your cells are using for communication. This exactly. is it's uh, that's the stunning thing because there is seriously nothing like it in the market. In the Nothing world.
1: at all. Nothing yeah. and people keep trying to say that, oh, we have something like it. Listen, yeah, no. either it's coke or it's Pepsi. Either it's coke or it's seven up, either it's you know. There is nothing like this. Yeah. There's nothing like us. And that's what's in us. And the exciting thing, Vera, is when people who are trying to demonstrate this, let's say from a sales point of view, which I try not to, we have what we have because we weren't watching the check engine light. We weren't dealing with ourselves and our mindset. We weren't trying to be positive, And we weren't trying to be loving. And we weren't trying to be compassionate. All of that has to, the, those biochemical processes that go on that stimulate hunger and appetite and pain. And, you know, I like this person. I don't like this person. All of that, who, that makes us, us as human beings, we're looking for, like you said, that one piece, there was a commercial I just saw that says, you know, you just can't, you know, we take so many antibiotics that people think if you just take an antibiotic, you could add a problem. They're throwing it at automobiles. And you may have seen that or they're throwing it at their spouse. You know, that there's a problem, you know, go get a pill. No, no. Your body is trying to tell you something. You need to listen. And when we do that, stories like mine and others who you'll be, oh, pretty cat. And others will say to us. Oh,
0: Sissy joined us. Ah. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Others will join us. Listen to me now. I'm still on the cat. Others will say, (laughs) sorry. Others will say, easy distracted. Others will say. If Vera did this and it looked at her and Tom did this and look at him and look at this person. look. You know, when I went to the impact tour in North Carolina this year, I had one of my classmates from school who, I, and she was telling people, oh, that's to Hill. That's Tom Hill. I've known him since we were like four years old. I'm like, don't tell everybody that. But anyway, I she know. was excited.
0: That's nice.
1: She was excited. Yeah. But she said something that to me was profound. She said there, there had to be 500 people there. Mm-hmm. She says all of these people who have come here cannot be lying about something that they had right. and it's now been resolved. Everybody can't be lying, that many people. And so imagine when we like when we were in Fort Worth or when we get together as a global company and we're in 34 markets and all these people all over the world are having experiences. Some people come for the product, okay? And they want that. You know what I found Vera? when people know you love them and you care about them and you get you there for a little bit of hope and opportunity tyler says it best about the ethos when you lead with being compassionate and if you want to join me and you said it earlier if we could leverage our knowledge about what we know in our respective communities and help people fear we're not doing enough in our company to help millions, thousands, hundreds of people. We need to be doing a better job and not just talking about the product, but talking about the person and what we could do to help them with, you know, Ed and, and others have said that, 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 you know, uh, having extra income, which is why I joined the company, because I, I was I like, was going
0: to go there next. Yeah, I was I'm like, exactly going to go yeah, there. I yeah, I came
1: yeah. into this and saying, I don't, people have to, don't have to get a license like I did in financial services. Well, money is just like oxygen. We need both you of men- them.
0: You mentioned when, even when you were a teacher, you were looking for for
1: you know. Teachers are the best market for me and anybody because we don't get paid enough money. Listen, right. when you are concerned in helping build people, right? And and I say uh, even in my in my communications, if I could just help you make an extra two hundred fifty dollars above what you are currently earning, if you have a job, what would that mean to your family? You know, not a thousand, not five hundred. And somebody says, "Well, wait, that's that's nothing." I say, "Well, guess what? If you're talking to a teacher who could use just an extra two hundred and fifty dollars, I can help you do that. Would you let me help you do that? I don't want you to. do it. Let me show you how." That's what Mal Sore says. Mal says he's been in this business. He came in a hundred thirty thousand dollars behind zero. He was sixty-one years old, and now he's a multi—you know—you know—million-dollar earner. He's a six-figure, seven-figure earner. And they've never not paid him a check since he's been in his company. And he says, if you help people... He was just helping the homeless guy in January. Why? Because he wasn't talking about the product. He was talking about, we can help people get off and have a life with dignity. We can help them make extra money.
0: I don't know if you noticed, but I just had a, a post from Alan Noble this week on Facebook that I was absolutely stunned because Mal alan and his wife built a house for somebody in africa and the holy reason he did that because he drove by with his friend and he noticed these shags like really awful awful god awful places that were made made from mud and he was totally stunned when he learned that people actually live there and there is nothing to gain from it for Mao. he's not there to make a business because we don't no. even deliver there he did that from the beauty of his heart he just felt compelled to do something about it and so he partnered together and they built this lady a house which is absolutely mind-boggling to me and and we spoke about Edwin's many times, and I had him on a podcast before. He he is a he was raised as a preacher. He was in the yep. ministry. His yep. parents were ministers, and sometimes he runs into people that say, "Well, but you 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 know, money is all evil, and that's what Bible says." And he said, "There's nothing like that in the Bible."
1: No, no.
0: The love for money, yes, no. but if you are a good person with good heart. Who stops you to make all the good in the world for with, with the money that you can earn? And this simple business with the product that is the only company we have in the world, it's the fairest model that is possible yeah. because you only earn as much as you work or as yeah. much as you share. and. Yeah. With every check that you may get, it means the number of lives that you impacted positively. Not only this. with health, what, but also maybe with wealth.
1: And and being part of Ed's bigger team, you know, you know, down from Ed, he's like my sixth generation granddaddy, right? I mean, I, I vibe with Ed. But here's, I, I want to say it again. When I saw this opportunity, it wasn't about the money. I knew I could earn it, but my, and my goal still is. I'm trying to impact a hundred people that I personally bring into this business. And mm-hmm. I said, if I could do that personally, Vera, everything else that I need or want or dream or think about will take care of itself. But here's even more important. It's not when you're making money. It's not when things are going well because they haven't for me, but you know what I found that when you persist through adversity, when you when you when you when your business is flat, that doesn't mean I have to be flat. It means that I can turn my attention to other people and help them be successful. And when other people succeed, we succeed because that's the system that we're a part of. And so people who focus on people and not the product, like I said, there's two sides of the coin. You can do both here. But my strength lies in following people who line up with my value, and that is, to be able to do that, not only like Mal and Alan did, we can do that right where we live. Could just help people and be part of their lives, and when they know that we're being transparent, when we're being authentic, when we're being honest, we're being ethical, and when we're not lying to them saying that, oh, yeah, everybody makes money here. No, they don't,
0: they don't. But exactly.
1: everybody can be a part of your SEA family, they can know that you're there for them, they can know that what you just said about Ed's comment about first 10 is first Timothy right? Chapter six, verse 10. It's the love of money. If you you learn how to love people and use money, then when your teammates are hurting or when somebody in your community, you can reach out if you have enough compassion. But if you're just doing this for the money, that's okay too. We got people like that, but that's where the ethos of our company comes in and says, if we take ego and earnings, E squared, and place PC, principle and capacity, over and people. E square people squared yeah, yeah, Come yeah. on, Vera. That's what, that's what I'm attracted to. That's why I get excited. And that's who I try to be every day, even when I don't feel like it. That's what I hope people hear on this broadcast is because you don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to be knocking it out of the park. Yeah. You just have to be part of the family that's saying, I want that guy or that gal or that person on my team that's why Melanie was on because I help people whether they're on my team or not, whether mm-hmm. they are in the business or not. I'm just trying to help people like that's why I respond to your comments on LinkedIn. Yeah. When people are saying and doing something, as Berta said, and they're being a force for good in the world as you are, it's easy to hook up with people like you and go, yeah, Vera, let's go do this. Yeah, let's help yeah. some more people. And when they decide that they want to build a business builder or they decide they want to share the product, they can. And there's no limitation. There's no number that they cannot be or yeah. do or have, but become, a, which is where my doctorates are in, when you're building leaders and a leader is always working him or herself out of their current position, out of their current title, because you're going to be replacing them you know, with yourself. You want to keep it growing, keep it moving, keep it moving. And that's what I love the most about what we do and what we do. Look at you.
0: Once teacher, always teacher. (laughs) Right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And you, you know, Thomas, it's such a joy to talk to you. And um, I know you mentioned politics at the beginning and I have never really talked politics on my podcast. And of course I have my opinions and you have yours. There's one thing that I want to touch on that is so insulting to me. Okay. In these years, or in this in this age that we live in, yeah, yeah, I have lived uh, in a communist country. I have been and being blonde and white, believe or not, I have been exposed to, to racism because we used to work with a gypsy band that didn't look like everybody else. Wow! And because we were involved with them, we were part of the target. And so I had some taste of it. I mm-hmm. obviously couldn't never live in, you know, your skin, and I have, I'm not, right. I have no judgment or anything, because I'm right. sure. And like you said, your father mentioned, you know, depends where you live and what what uh, what what your race went through. Yeah. But for me, when I first came to America, and that's 2002.
1: Okay.
0: The America was very very different then. Very, very different.
1: That it is. Today. That was right Absolutely. after
0: 9-11. Yep. And I am one of the immigrants and my husband was a political refugee and he was forever grateful what this country gave him because he would never be able to achieve that in his own country. Right. But you mentioned about diversity and I think there are, there are forces that I really am so sensitive about that are shaking the jar. There is... If you put red and black ants in a jar, they don't touch each other. They are minding their own business. Yeah. Until you shake the jar. When you shake the jar, they start killing each other. Yeah. And very honestly, and please don't take it the wrong way, I always Mm. look when I first came here, and I haven't been exposed to many black people in my country because they're... If you yeah. live in communism, <laughs> nobody's coming in. It's, yeah. it's just your little world and you are yeah. not exposed. Yeah. Right. But I have always looked and I have heard recently, and that really pissed me off. Okay. Even if you say that you don't see the color, it's racist. And I'm like, no, it's not. No.
1: no. If I'm no. looking
0: at you as Thomas Mallory Hill, Correct. I love you as a person. I, I, I look at your character. I, I see how you live, I see how you speak. And I'm compelled to be friend with you or not. The Correct. skin color doesn't matter to me in that And
1: I, I told think that's you. what
0: Dr. King was teaching. Don't Correct. judge me based on my color of the skin. How is right. possible that we let it turn around?
1: Let me say it again. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. This is common sense. Okay. I I am immensely blessed with the two people who are my parents. I couldn't pick them. That's what I came here with. Yes, I still honor them today. My daughter is at a university, I won't say the name, but she's experiencing what I'm doing, but she has a father, my daughter, who's lived this and says, at a spiritual level, first of all, that's who we really are first. We're spiritual beings who have a body, not the other way around. That when we do what the creator says, when we love our neighbors as ourselves, When we take these things and we start making, you know, whether if you're a Jewish or whether it was your communist, it doesn't matter. You're a human being. And we live in a place that when we build community, we're living together. And so red state, blue state, none of that matter. And what's changing is the ability of our generation, this is on us, Vera, to be the model, to be the demonstration of the example of what love looks like in action. So many young people who are raising children who think that, or they may have a mental challenge. You know, we used to say children who have special needs and our academic system, you know, says, well, we have a separate thing for this and we want to make sure everybody's okay. And you know, treat the special needs student like the regular ed student. Let me tell you something. If we would do what their creator talks about and I'm not talking about any particular religion, I'm saying, if we love people, if you understand that you can read that God is love, if we emulate those things, then it doesn't matter what your race, what your height, what your what your gender, what none of that is. But because of the political interests, yes. when we read in the same book that tells you to honor your mother and father, that we are fighting not flesh and blood, but we're fighting principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places that's not a joke that's not a throwaway sentence there are people who are just like there are people who are trying to live for good like there are people who live for evil there are people who are hacking our accounts and are stealing our identities and all of these things that we cannot control we can only control the skin that we're in and the love that's in our heart and, a character. and if we do this and we teach our children and we try to be as best we can in that example yeah then when we get together Vera, not only as a company and as a local community people like you said they re- they feel that they, they they resonate to that because we're all trying to make a difference like to that story about the one fish who gets swapped on a on the sea on the seashore and a little girl is throwing these starfish back in the ocean right and then somebody said to you what are you doing all these starfish and the little girl says But it won't matter if you you can't save all of them. You say, yeah, but to the one I just threw back in, yep, that one has a chance. That one has a chance. And I feel that way about my students, my colleagues, my SEA teammates, my family. Each of us is that one starfish that had the gift given to us that we were thrown back into the sea instead of being on land, that we have a chance to survive and make a difference to another starfish. If we take those kinds of principles, Vera, and, and, and even with you, I'll say this to you. This is for you, personally. because you just made the scripture pop in my head. This was in uh, Romans, uh, I think it was 12, 14, but it says, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah, as you quoted Dr. King, and he used to talk about light you know, and, and darkness. Darkness cannot overcome light. That's why it's called a shadow. It looks like it is, but when your light is burning brightly from within, people see that you're providing. That's what Christ meant about putting a candle on a candle stand to give light to the room. That was the purpose of the narrative. You're doing that through your podcast. Keep doing that, Vera. Keep giving light to the world. Keep being you. And it doesn't matter where we come from. We're all human beings. That's right. And if we get that message to younger people, doesn't matter who they are. You could take, if you might've seen an image where a little, uh, a a white child, you know, a kindergartner and a black child and they're holding hands. You know why? Because they haven't been taught how to hate yet. Exactly,
0: exactly. They're just kids. But it it goes the same way because if I see somebody who is doing no good, no matter what the color is? I'm not getting involved with that person. So it it is always that principle that it's really like skin color is nothing you can influence. You were born with it. Yeah. What you do with yourself throughout your life that's what you can influence. And that's you and who you taken, become.
1: And you've taken today the lesson and you're in this discourse that you just made is what I learned the hard way that many b- white people who encounter black people who have the spirit that I have will walk away saying, well, black people aren't bad. That guy's pretty good. Oh my gosh. Wait, wait. <laughs> but then I can see white people with a hood on their head and I don't know them, but they're like, hey, come here, you know, and they're ch- and I just have to run run from nope, them. Nope, nope. I wasn't gonna stand there and don't get, you know, okay. So you learn early that there are good black people and there are good white people. There are bad white people, there are bad black people. You've got to mm-hmm. figure that out on your own, but you can't put everybody in the same boat. If yep. nothing else you walk away with from this broadcast, I'm not advocating one or another. I'm advocating being a human being.
0: Yeah. I'm advocating exactly. let people
1: live and build that community and, and really appreciate our differences. Yep. That was the generation my dad was born in. It didn't matter where you came from. He was fighting a war that he didn't start. He was honorably discharged. And when he was in the Philippines, they didn't look like him. But when he came back, or the Japanese, or the German, but when he came back and he says, we're fighting for a principle called democracy, and that's what it looks like when people can build a community of different stripes or different spots, and still say they love each other that's what the church Christ died for not some denomination i only say that to say that's what you will find when we all come together different gifts different spirits different talents and you can say we're working to build people and spread that good news they'll decide if they want it or not yeah beautifully
0: said beautifully said and you know you mentioned faith many, many times throughout this podcast. And I know for a fact, because like I said, I, I grew up in communism. Mm-hmm. The 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 belief in God was not welcome. Mm-hmm. If you were going to church that you you were being reported. They they did not want to people to go to church. Why? Because you learned that you are worshipping God not some politician that is making decisions over your life and i found it very disturbing this this very big push later years it's probably from 60s here Mm -hmm. that big big intent to remove God from schools to remove mm-hmm. God from everything, mm-hmm. because what it does at the same time, it's. Re- I'm not saying that everybody has to believe in God. Everybody has right. their freedom to believe or not believe whatever they want.
1: Right, right. But
0: with God, people were learning principles. People were learning values and mm-hmm. obeying some kind of principles that are ruling your life.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: without that fear or without that teaching, mm-hmm. anything goes. So yep. we have no rules. We have like, you are free to do whatever. And unfortunately, democracy means a lot of freedom, but it also means a lot of personal responsibility. There you go. And that's the whole principle of it. And so yep. you mentioned it's it's a political pressure very much so lately to divide us. And it is very disturbing because it goes hands to hands with the intent to removing God from everywhere and, you know, celebrating single moms because you know, who cares if father is present or not, which we both know it's super important. And your father definitely instilled the values in you. And so all that destruction, if we don't let it touch our lives, it's some people that have underlying motives. And, Mm -hmm. It's up to us people. And I didn't mean to bring this podcast No, but but no, I it's not political. These, we are we are these are principles of life. If you want to yeah. keep your freedoms, if you want to keep your democracy, that is absolutely essential to human life. And I'm speaking to you as someone who was born into system that didn't have those choices. Yeah. And if you want to talk to me about it, I will be happy to have that conversation because we can. You,
1: but let me ask you a quick question before we go too. Let me just pick one thing that might appeal to you. I don't know if you said that you had any children or not, but that doesn't matter either. Listen, we take a day out in our country, right? To celebrate mothers, right? right? And everybody who has a mother, unless you're a test tube baby, right? We say, right, you know, you got a mama someplace. Right. Whether that mother loved you or not, when we come around to celebrate that one day out of the year do you realize that everybody doesn't feel the same way you know why even though that day is available to us to celebrate our mothers some were abusive some were murdered some were raped some were just had a tough time in life but raised children as i said to my parents to be just not so much just the opposite but they learned values because there was a god Who they were introduced to. So I say this to you by asking, uh, Mother's Day is a great celebration if you had a loving mother, if they're still alive. But for those who don't, and this is to my point to say to you, just because you weren't raised in a democracy or being white and blonde or none of that matters, you're around people who love you because of who you are, Not from where you came Mm -hmm. from, not because of how you look, but because how we treat you. And that's why, again, I say it's an honor and privilege to be with you on this podcast because you're using the tools that God gave you, the gifts he gave you, Vera, to help educate people. Does that mean everybody's going to love it? No. Does that mean everybody's going to believe in it? No. Are you trying to persuade people? No. There's a word I heard lately about being a politically neutral I don't care what you call it. If you don't love another human being or have compassion, it doesn't matter where you come from or who you are, they'll feel that too. And so again, I come back and say what Paul t- told the Romans don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Be the light in your community, Vera that people can see that there's goodness in you, and it won't matter to them, because you're we're teaching people one at a time, one at a time.
0: Right. Well, I wanted to ask you to finish this podcast on, on something that people can take away, but I think you just did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to mess it up. This was a beautiful, beautiful conversation, Thomas. Um, Thank you. Obviously, it took much longer than we planned, but
1: Hey, you. Well, you're the editor. Me. You do what you need to do.
0: No, I don't think I <laughs> want to edit anything. <laughs> I I hope people that, you know, it resonates with, that they will be interested to listen to it. Yeah. And that's one of the charms of podcasts, that you can put it on your ears and, and go for a walk and listen to yeah. what, what makes your heart sing. And, and hopefully, and hopefully hoping, we did that. I'm just hoping that it finds people that are on the same page that, yeah. that are loving people and that they may need some encouragement. And yeah. and we are here to, to give it. Yes. It was such a joy and pleasure Thank to you. meet you, Tom.
1: Thank you. Maybe one, we'll do it again one day.
0: Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. if, anybody, if anybody was uh, intrigued with Thomas and his energy and his life philosophy, I encourage you to reach out to him. We will post all the uh, links to uh, my show notes. And so I encourage you to reach out to Thomas and, and you know see what you can do together.
1: Yeah. And
0: I encourage you to try whatever you can for your health before you need an intervention. Because that's what we decided to do with our life. And I love my doctors, but I love to not see them very often. And that's the way <laughs> I love to keep it. <laughs> so for the for the happy life and longevity and quality of life that we all strive for i'll wish you a beautiful holidays if if this episode will be probably released in december okay. and it was such a joy to meet you tom thank, thank you, you for making time for me
1: all right goodbye everybody